News Talk 94.7 FM and 970 AM, WMAY. different today with let's talk real estate we have people spread out all over fritz fister by phone professor richard judd and andrew Cornett from leader one all in the studio along with me how's it going this morning fritz well good morning doc and thank you very much for sitting in and running the uh, board for me uh, as we welcome distinguished professor emeritus richard judd of uis economics and our friend andrew Cornett with leader one mortgage services just wanted to check in and say good morning and thanks uh, for sharing your time with us on Let's Talk Real Estate program number 1,173. That's quite a few, Doc. Just sure a couple. <laughs> That's a couple. Uh, but at any rate, I wanted to uh, share with you that this half hour of the program is being brought to you by our friends at Mark's Fireplace and Lighting, the store that will brighten up your lifestyle. Writings Plumbing. When you have a plumbing problem, it's Writings to the Rescue. And, of course, a Leader One Mortgage Lender, the only mortgage lender with the $5,000 guarantee for home sellers if the loan doesn't close on time from a buyer approved by Leader One and, of course, our friends at Mosquito Squad. I just want to uh, share with you, Professor, uh, and uh, for everybody that's tuning in this morning, uh, I have to update the July sales figures. They've revised them. Sure. I'm a little bit disappointed because uh, they initially reported 400 home uh, listings had gone under contract in July for the first time this year, uh, out uh, facing uh, March, which had the greatest with 394. Then it went just it went down in April. Uh, then May was down from April, and June was down from May. It was unbelievable, but. Here's the revised numbers. Uh, there were 375 closed home sales. That's been uh, upped a little bit, so that increased for a 4.5% increase in closed sales. Now, that's good, uh, Fritz. Yeah, well, we won't complain about that, but unfortunately, they took the 400 uh, pending listings and took them down to 391 for only the second best month on uh, this year, but that's okay. We'll take it, and the pace of sales uh, seems to be holding fairly steady into August here. So, home sellers, my only advice for you today uh, before we turn it over to the professor and Andrew is that uh, your saving grace is, is the inventory of homes for sale. 
is at its second lowest uh, level on record uh, for this date. So you have less competition. Uh, the homes that are prepared properly, that are priced right, are selling fast. And so uh, even though the demand isn't as high as we've had in the past years, for example, Professor, in the last uh, 15 years, only on three other occasions have we not reached at least 400 once in a, in a month during this time of year. Uh-huh. So it's uh, uh, historically uh, slow by uh, even Springfield standards, but it's, uh, it's just a situation with the low inventory offsetting the uh, slower demand still gives home sellers a great opportunity to get sold. And if you want to give me a call this week at 652-7653, I'll be back in town and uh, be happy to schedule an appointment with you to uh, help you get your home sold. And I'm going to jump off now and turn it over to the professor and Andrew uh, Doc, and then I'll join you at the uh, bottom of the hour to bring you the sponsors that. Sounds good, sir. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Now that's 652 sold. 7653. That'll get you right to Fritz. Frankly, folks, Fritz is one of the best in this community at representing you either as a buyer or as a seller. He knows this business, real estate. Now, I'm going to move on to Springfield data, and then I'm going to Andrew. Okay. Incidentally, I'm Rich Judd. I was the National City Bank Distinguished Professor of Finance and Economics at UIS. Now, I'm retired, so I'm an old coot, okay? Um, But I still got a little bit upstairs, and I try to keep things, as I always did, honest, straight, true. So... Let's go. I don't give too many opinions, but I will give one just right at the start because it just flashed in my mind. Do you know for the last seven recessions, now I'm going from 1970 up to uh, 2007, so that's 37 years or 37, 38 years, the economists missed calling the recession every time they did not get it they they just didn't get it now you had after the recessions began you had economists then predicting the recession into its future but You know, one of the things you look for from an economist is that these guys can say, hey, what's coming? But frankly, most of the time, they can't. Now, here we go. Statistics on our area. The Springfield area lost 1.2% of its non-farm jobs from June 17 to June 18, one year. Now, that's the largest decline among Illinois' 14 metropolitan areas. Uh, Now, that's from the Department of Employment Security here in Spring Patch. The Springfield area, which consists of Sangamon and Menard counties, keep that in mind, shed 1,400 jobs during the the one-year period, leaving the region with about... 114,000 positions 
last month in contrast to 115,400. Job declines for the area came in retail trade. That was the biggest. Now think about that. You see, you've got uh, Bergner's that was closing, Sears that was closing, Office Max that had closed. So that's a lot of retail that is being lost. Uh, about four to 500 jobs lost in other services. Uh, about 200 were lost in government and about 100 in what we'll call the general area of finance. Information systems lost about 100. Gains were seen in leisure and hospitality, up 200 jobs, and education and health services, transportation, warehousing, utilities, and wholesale trade increased roughly 100 each. I'll go back over that. Education, health service, transportation, warehousing, utilities, and wholesale trade up about 100 each. So where's our loss? Retail. Where's our, our growth? And it's in the core features of an economy. The manufacturing, warehousing, uh, health services, utilities, and wholesale trade. Now, comparing ourselves to other cities, just briefly, Champaign and Urbana added 2,200 jobs, where we lost 1,400. Um, Decatur reported, now here, we usually stand better than Decatur. They reported uh, 400 more jobs uh, than what they had one year before. Overall, the state grew jobs by 1%, or a total of 61,700 positions during this one-year period. Um, Springfield had an estimate of 4,750 unemployed people. 4,750 unemployed people in the Springfield area labor force last month. The Springfield area was one of seven metro areas to post unemployment increases, and six others saw a decrease in unemployment. So statewide, the unemployment rate went from 5.1% to 4.5% last month. Now nationally, the rate was 4.2% last month. So we're still riding with more unemployment than what the national average would be. Um, our total number of jobs in Illinois, 6,183,900, which was an increase of 61,700. And that's it. That's the local and I'd like to come over to Andrew now, and thank you for coming in today, Andrew. We want to talk real estate. Yep. Well, uh, thank, thank you, uh, Professor. My name is Andrew Cornett. I'm with Leader One uh, Financial Home Mortgage. Uh, we, we, those stats are kind of mind-boggling and kind of beyond my uh, scope, but what I wanted to do today was talk about um, 
Doc, what do you think is the number one uh, obstacle for people to buy a home? Credit or money that money in the bank? Those are up there, top three. But what I see most of is a lot of folks is their confidence in the process. So what I would like to do today is talk about um, if you haven't bought a house for the last three to four years, the process changes on us. And I'd like to kind of walk through what I call the three pillars. Of and it has increased. It has changed dramatically, hasn't it, Andrew? As a protection to the consumer. It's yeah. actually I'm all for the, the, the changes they've made. If I go back to 2007 compared to right now, roughly 10 years what a change that has taken place. Well, it's amazing. We have to document what you're telling us as the originator is actually factual and true. And we can document back in 2007 that you're referring to. You could come in and tell me what you were making as far as income and assets. And I just took you for your word. Uh, that's what caused the mortgage collapse. You know, so but the main thing is, is the confidence that I think a lot of the consumers have today as far as I'm going to go in and ask somebody to judge me if I'm worthy to get what I'm looking to do. So what I what I call I break it down for everybody very simply. Uh, it's the I call the three pillars of, of mortgages. It's credit. It's budget. And then there's assets for your down payment. OK. And credit is always a very interesting thing because a lot of folks think they understand how credit works. There's a lot of websites out there telling you to do this to do that and people saying hey you can pay me for this service or whatever but credit uh do you have any idea what the what the richter scale is professor of like what the uh the rating system is like from high to low no no okay. i don't i'm sorry so yeah so a lot a lot of folks say that they'll come to my office and they'll say i have a 200 credit score and i kind of smile a little bit because there is not a 200 credit score or they'll say oh, they have a 900 that, yeah, credit score. i understand you now. know what i'm saying yeah. credit score wise so just for simplicity um, the credit rating system goes from a 350 score up to an 850 okay 850 being a plus 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 uh 350 obviously not being good at all most banks in this area are usually around a 640 credit score or down to a 600 credit score, okay? So uh, it's not all on, is my credit score gonna be worthy? There's more that goes into it. But did you know that, is it worse paying a bill late on your credit professor or overusing a credit card when, when it comes to your credit score? Oh, I would not overuse the credit card. I, I surely wouldn't. But a lot of consumers sometimes have to because we have kids in schools. Yes, We're yes. buying the school supplies this time of year. So you're, you, you can start to see yourself to overuse those credit cards. But a lot of times consumers are paying their bills on time. But what I see is it's a little bit over usage. So they're not near maxed out on the credit card, but they're using it a little bit too much. And that can send a flag through the system with credit reporting and it can start to pull somebody's credit pull score down. down. Yeah. Now, if I recall, that uh, a score, a good score, was like 720, yep. maybe as low as 680. But if you get into 720, 760, 780, you're fine. Yeah, yep, you, you are. So everybody's going to have a different opinion, kind of like what you were saying earlier about economics. Uh, you know, everybody's going to have a different opinion of what's coming and whatnot, but everybody's going to have a different opinion of what good and bad credit is. So, yeah, that 720 or higher is considered really, really good credit if you call that A credit, then B credit would be 720, maybe down to 660, something like that. And then it just goes on on down. But my point is, a lot of times we're paying our bills fine, 
but it's the amount of usage on some of those credit cards. So some of my customers will come in and they may qualify right now, but from a coaching perspective, I might say, hey, we can get you a better program, better rate, better terms if you pay this credit card down or whatnot, and we can coach them on that. And it's amazing, a few right payments made on the right accounts, they can jump quite a bit. You know, and that's not for everybody, but a lot of those folks can just get a better deal if they do that. You know, it's interesting. A lot of people today, even going into the fast food place, just use their card. Bang. They're using the card three, four, five, six, seven times a day. And I think it hurts them. It can, especially if they're in that overusage percentage. Okay. The rule of thumb, and most bankers right here are going to tell you, if I'm using more than 30% of what the credit card company has given me to use, so for example, if I, if I got a $1,000 limit on my credit card, and if I start to run over a $300 balance on that card, it could potentially start to pull my score down a little bit. So it's that 30% mark. A lot of folks don't, don't realize that. A good place to go to monitor to see if that score is going up and down, because it can change on almost a daily basis sometimes, is go to Credit Karma. It's a free app. It's a consumer-friendly app. I got it on my phone. Uh, it can drive you nuts sometimes, especially if you're trying to really monitor your credit. You can see it go up and down once in a while. But that, that 30% rule on the credit cards is key from a credit scoring perspective. Okay. Now, this is very good advice to that prospective home buyer and the home seller. You know, uh, see, what is my credit rating right now? Yeah. You know, because that's going to strongly influence what I can do in a purchase of a home or land. And that's why I was asking Doc earlier, what's, what does he perceive as the one of the number one stumbling blocks of buying a house? And it's really that confidence because when you go do something new for the first time or you haven't done it for a while, you're going into somebody saying, can I get this? You know, my wife and I have discussed buying a house, but can I get this? So if you have confidence in that process, it makes it so much easier. When my customers leave my office, and hopefully some are listening today, they're going to call in and testify to this. Uh, but if when you come to my office, the number one thing is you're going to understand the why behind the what we're doing. Okay, so yeah. if I if I can give you that confidence that I'm doing my job, it's not about helping you get that house. It's about giving you the confidence to get that house. You know that's that's very interesting, Andrew, because when when we look at let's let's call it transactions. The things that we do on a day-to-day basis, they are transactions. And I can go through a day and not really know why I did what I did. And you're saying that in the coming to a purchase of a home and getting that mortgage, knowing the why is as much, if not greater, important than the what. Yep, exactly. So, example, your car is making a funny noise. You take it to the mechanic, right? He says it's going to cost this much to fix it, and he thinks you're happy with that. Well, I want to know the why. I'm big on I want to understand what's going on, so then I know how to pay attention next time if that doesn't happen. So, an example of this, um, I had a customer call me, actually a friend of mine that I know, uh, called me up about a month and a half ago. He had uh, got his house under contract to sell, and now he needs to go buy something else. And he's got a finite time where he needs to buy, buy something, it. right? Got it. Well, he went – sorry, Doc. Okay. <laughs> sorry. No, you're totally good. I'm just listening in. I, I get that look from Doc. I'm like, okay, I got to be quiet. No, nope, so, you're good. You still got about two minutes. So anyway, two minutes. Okay. anyway, my friend came in and said, hey, I went to my bank, and all they told me was I can't get a loan because something's on my credit. So I go pull his credit, 
and we found an error reporting on his credit report that he says, I know I wasn't late on this. And this error was detrimental. It's, it's either he's going to get a house or he's not going to get a house. We called the local bank. They admitted that it was a reporting error on their side. They corrected it. We closed their loan in 30 days. Good. That was for a veteran. Good. So a Good. veteran got into a house uh, where another bank said, we can't do it, didn't tell them the why. We looked at it and said, you've never been late on this before, so can we dive into this? We called the local bank. They corrected the error. We got into the house. They sold their house and bought the same house, the next house the same day. So we made, we made that time frame, but we, we got the why behind it. Got it. Now, one last point before we go to break here is this is a national statistic, but um, the average home price will rise 5% in the year 2018, but only 3% in 2019 and I'm going to ask Andrew why when we come back after the break it is let's talk real estate Jim Ackerman or Jim what you tell I've got too many things on my mind Fritz Fister not in today he's going to call in and do the bottom of the hour uh, advertising Professor Richard Judd UIS Economics here, as well as Andrew Cornett from Leader One. Now, back to Let's Talk Real Estate, sponsored by Fritz Fister of Remax Professionals. Depend on News Talk 94.7 FM and 970 AM WMAY. We're back for the second half of Let's Talk Real Estate. Fritz Fister by phone, Professor Emeritus Richard Judd from UIS Economics here, as well as Andrew Cornett, Leader One Financial. Go ahead, Fritz. Welcome back to the second half hour for Let's Talk Real Estate program number 1173. I appreciate you gentlemen sitting in today while I'm out of town. I want to thank our sponsors for this half hour of the program. Hill your storage and moving, moving the things you love. Slabjackers Construction. If your concrete has that sinking feeling, get all jacked up with Slabjackers. Bacon, termite, and pest control, they don't bug you. Just the critters in your home. And JRE Construction Landscaping and Foundation Repair. They can keep water out of your foundation without putting you underwater. Well, if you want to go to springfieldhome.com, you can get the contact information for all the wonderful sponsors on Let's Talk Real Estate. And I'm going to turn it back over to the gentleman now. Have fun, guys. Fritz, we'll see you back next week, sir. Thanks, Doc. Thank you, Fritz. Now, we're going to go right back to the housing market. And uh, the rebound that we're finding from the uh, 2007-2008, in some spots has been slow and others uneven. But... We're seeing that there's an improvement now. Now, I'm going to give you some national statistics and then go right to Andrew. Here's what it looks like for those of you who are looking at the real estate marketplace for uh, the, the year 2018 and percent change compared to 2017. Single family starts will be up 5.7%. Multifamily starts will be up 6.6%. New home sales will be up 5.6%. Existing home sales, however, will be down 
5%. Now, uh, year-end price change, on average, we're going to be approximately 5% increase in price relative to 2017. And I'd, I'd like to ask Andrew, why would existing home sales be down just marginally when new home sales are up? Well, I, it, I, I we were talking about this earlier. I think it's more of an inventory perspective. Um, that's why the housing market, I think, with the houses selling so quickly right now, uh, and Fritz could attest to this too. He's better at this stuff on the real estate side. But with the low inventory, houses are going quicker. So that's probably pushing new construction uh, back yeah, into the market. That's the key, I think. Yeah. The new construction is what's doing it mm -hmm. in single family and multifamily. Yep. That's what's doing it. You betcha. But going back, uh, going back to what I was talking about earlier, the three pillars of mortgage financing, we were talking a little bit about credit earlier, and everybody's got a different credit situation. Um, I'm always open to sitting there down with somebody, breaking their credit report down so they understand it. Uh, so you can feel free to give me a call at the office during the week at 217-793-9153. Uh, going back to the second pillar of financing is down payment, okay? A lot of times down payment scares everybody. They don't understand how much is required. Do I have enough? Do I have time to get that? So I'd like to go through a few, uh, a few different uh, scenarios as far as the down payment options. So did you know, did you know uh, Doc, that if somebody is buying in a rural area, so basically outside of Springfield, most of our rural areas have a program with no money down called the Rural Development Loan? I, that's how I bought my house, oh, is using it? that, yep. And the Rural Development Loan actually has a few protection mechanisms for you from a property perspective, too. So you probably had to do a few extra inspections. Are you on a, a city water, city yeah, sewer? Yeah, city water, city sewer, both. So if you're not, the Rural Development Program also makes sure you test your septic and your water system, too, to make sure it's safe. But a lot of folks buying, did you know about that before you talked to your lender? You probably did. I heard, I didn't know much about it other than I knew it was out there and what areas were available for it, but not many details. You know, the, the kind of funny thing for me as a banker perspective is it's the only loan I get to call you back and say you make too much money at. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you don't make enough, no, you make too much. So the Rural Development Program is trying to develop homeownership out in the outlying areas. So they actually have income caps based off the median income area for each county. So it's one of those things where we got to check if you're moving in a rural area that your household income, so that's all incomes in the household mm -hmm. are under that cap. Also, it's property specific. So we got to make sure also the property you're going to write a contract on is going to be specific for rural development. So obviously you had a good banker and a good realtor as you were walking through that, they showed you that as an option. Sure. The other thing with the rural development loan, you have something on there called private mortgage insurance. Mm -hmm. If you're not putting 20% down, then most loan programs require private mortgage insurance. The rural development program doesn't have that per se. They have what they call an annual fee, and it's a very discounted fee added to your monthly payment compared to other programs that you can buy that house with. So one, one program with no money down can be the rural development program, okay? The, the other program we use a lot. Uh, and this is for any area, and it doesn't have income caps, is our, is our veterans. I know Fritz has served uh, in the military. My son is active duty Air Force. And for those veterans that have served or active militaries that are currently serving, they can, they can uh, apply for a VA loan, and that's for veterans. Uh, it, what it does is it also allows you no money down, but the key to it is there's no PMI. So for the 
for the man or female that has served in the military that qualify for the VA loan, they're going to get no money down and the lowest monthly payment possible because there's no PMI on there. And it's it's, it's not a one-time use deal. You can use it as you're buying houses in the future. It's not that, okay, I used it when I was 30. I can never use it again. You can use it over and over. There is a fee through VA that that fee can change Mm -hmm. based off multi-use. The other thing is I'm getting ready to work on a file right now next week. We I did a VA loan here in town. His family has grown, but he doesn't want to sell his house to get into the next house. So he can actually, we call VA back, get his certificate of eligibility updated. It will tell us that he can carry two VA loans at the same time. Oh, wow. So you can have multiple VA loans. Uh, two is the maximum that I've ever done for somebody, mm-hmm. but there's a possibility of doing that. And for the veterans, if I if you could give me the honor just to sit down and talk to you about that VA loan, be my privilege because it's the it's it's the best loan out there for folks. Yes. Okay. Uh, wow. Other down payment options because down payment does I think keep a lot of people back. All we got a call. Hi, you're on with Let's Talk Real Estate. Hi, I'm a veteran and I refinanced my home for 15 years to get a two two and seven eighths interest rate and i did that because i was wanted to think that if uh interest rates skyrocket then my home is va assumable yes sir and then how difficult is that is that is that just something on paper or is it an actuality is it easily done it's it's a process so what so first off the the assumability of a va loan just to clarify for everybody out there you have to to the the VA loan that rate you have you can give to the next buyer okay yeah they have to be a veteran themselves okay qualify for a VA loan and the assumability clause says that you can take the existing debt and pass over to the next buyer with that interest rate you need to call your servicer that you're with so you would not call a new bank uh, okay. to to do that you would call your servicer and say I have a potential buyer that's qualified can I exercise this mobility? And it's a process, just like if you, when you've applied for your mortgage, it's a process right. for that too to make sure that person qualifies. But the VA loan and the FHA loan that I was getting ready to talk about too, both of those have assumability clauses that oh, you can okay. trade that rate to the next person. It makes your house more marketable. That's what I was hoping. If interest rates get up to seven percent, and I can get. I can use that under three percent as a marketing thing. Well, you know, rates are rates are a lot higher than what you're at right now. So, I right. mean, you know, today's market would be a great time if you're looking at selling to do something like that. Well, that's good information. I sure appreciate it. Thank you for your service, sir. Oh, you bet. Thank you. Right. So, you know, that gentleman was talking about a, a VA refi that he did. Uh huh. So most loan programs through a refinance, you have to have a certain equity cushion in your house. Did you know, Professor, that if you're a veteran, I can I can pull all the equity out of your house to do a cash-out refi? Wow. So so what we had was, uh, this is, I think, last winter, uh, a veteran, actually the, the homeowner was right around the corner from my office. Uh, he got my name from somebody else, and he needed to do a kitchen remodel because the wife was asking for it, right? <laughs> so oh, yeah. Gonna, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all got those. Um, hopefully, mine's not listening right now. But anyway... Um, he went to the bank, and the bank said he needed a 20% cushion okay. after he pulled that equity out. Well, we were talking, and he had an existing VA loan. And I'm like, did that banker not look at just refinancing your current loan? So his, we didn't refinance his house to get a lower rate. We actually kept – we were lucky. We kept his rate the same, but we exercised that equity. So we got enough to get out the kitchen. We also paid off all of his other debt. 
So when we got all said and done, he still had, I think, about 5% equity in his house. He didn't have to use it all, but he was able to get the kitchen and all that wrapped up into one one loan. It's great. Wow, that's so, neat. You know, we're talking about purchases today because we're on Fritz's show, but a lot of these loans have some great refi and consolidation ability, too. But going back to our different down payments, we talked about rural housing. We talked about the VA loan with no money down. The next one we find out I use a lot, especially for my first-time home buyers, and this is this could be for repeat buyers too, is the FHA loan. FHA is is governed by HUD. Okay, it's monitored by HUD. HUD sets the rules for us, uh, but it allows the buyer to only put three and a half percent down payment. So, like on a hundred thousand dollar house, that's a thirty-five hundred dollar down payment. Now, when my wife and I were buying our first house, I actually used the FHA program too because we were not very far in our careers, didn't have a lot of money saved. Hey, that's that's everybody. Yes, yes. So you shouldn't be ashamed of that, right? But my banker, I was lucky. I met with a banker, and she explained to me, and I had a financing degree, but I don't, knew nothing about mortgages at the time, and she sat me down and kind of explained this, and I said, well, I don't have $3,500 right now. Well, she explained to me that if my parents were willing, they could gift me that down payment money. So if you are you know, a young family or a single person or something, you're looking to buy a house, my, my point of all this is, if you're afraid of down payments going to stop you, come in and talk to us. If we can get it gifted from a family member, if, if you can qualify for one of these 0% down programs, that's what we're looking for. Or we put a strategy together saying, we can't do it now, but let's save up over the next six months or so for that down payment, put a plan together. Again, we're putting the why into the what. Yes. Now, the, as, as you spoke, it reminded me of the my first home purchase now this is in kansas city and it went and my home purchase was twenty one thousand eight hundred dollars and that's a four bedroom no three bedroom home pardon me but i couldn't put together the down payment what i was required to do just as as you said uh, i needed seven hundred and fifty dollars well the parents, my parents provided the 750 and we got into my home and it took me a year and a half, but I paid off mom and dad that 750 and there we were, we had our home. But isn't that what mom and dad's for? Right. Yes. That, that's what yes. we're for right now, right? When you we're get the mom right and dad. down to it, that's mom and dad. <laughs> yeah. So and don't I know it? <laughs> but how prideful were you to get that house? Oh right? yeah. I mean, it's your first house. Twenty-one thousand dollars back then was a lot of money, and seven hundred dollars is a lot of money. You know, but to, but the pride here. The we were talking earlier about our jobs, how we love coming into our jobs because it's different every day. The best thing I like going is to my closings. I go to my closings. You can see that smile on everybody's face. We give hugs, not handshakes at closings, because they're part of the Leader One family at that point and stuff. And it's just that's what's exciting about all this is seeing that smile on everybody's face. And Doc is giving us the got another call on the line. Caller, go ahead. You're on. Let's talk real estate. Hey guys. Hey professor. Yes sir. And Fritz on the phone. Um, here's some first question is for your for your guest there. Um. So I put things on credit card, but I pay them off at the end of the month. Does that do anything positive or negative for my credit? Well, yes and no. Okay, so I've, I've had some – if you have established credit already over the years, if you have a longe longevity of credit history, it's probably not going to affect you either way. But for a young person who's just starting off in the credit world or even an older person starting off in the credit world, if you're paying that off – 
before the credit card reports to the credit bureau, it's almost like it's a ghost payment. Where oh, you're not, so it doesn't. You're not getting that credit. So my son is in the Air Force. He's active military, and he just got a credit card. He's 20 years old last summer, and he was talking with his buddies out there as they were in the dorms or whatever, and th- they were talking about this exact same thing. I One said, well, I pay my credit cards off every time the bill comes. And my son goes, well, my dad told me to make a monthly payment on it. So they called me up on speaker one night, the dad, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and, I, and we're talking about this, and I said, from a financial perspective, you're doing the exact right thing. You're not being charged any interest because you're paying that credit card off pretty quickly. But if, you're, if your goal is to build credit, okay, you want to show that payment history so we have longevity there. So does that answer your question, sir? Yeah, that's one of the questions. The other question is, and this has to do with, I guess it's shopability, okay? I, I purchased property where I want to live, and I've, I've almost got that house paid off. Um, my buddy wants to live down in Fort Myers, okay? He owns two properties outside the city, I'd say combined, because they're not in the city, about two fifty three hundred thousand dollars $300,000, right? Mm-hmm. But I told him, I said, and he wants to retire in eight to 10 years, I said, you need to buy a property, find one that you like, and rent it out so that you are in that marketplace because you are not in that marketplace here. Because what you get for your house here won't buy you an outhouse where you want to be because of the, you know, location, location, location. Because of, and and the, the future in this area looks like you're going to have even higher property taxes. So we'll be less marketable for what you sell a house here and you want to buy something in Fort Myers. I told him to get in that market, rent it out and and have something that absorbs that that market price. Yeah. What do you think of that? I I actually got some friends that are doing that exact same thing. They bought down in Biloxi, Mississippi, uh, about a year and a half ago and they're doing the, you know, rentals for vacations. Um, and yeah. they plan on retiring and going down there. Mm-hmm. So they're doing the exact same thing. They're doing very well. You just got to be prepared. You're going to be a landlord. Yeah. So, yeah. And oh. um, uh, it, 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 um, an option is to do multifamily. That is a two-unit building. Um, and then I take care of one. Maybe one of my kids lives there. <laughs> and I rent out the other, this gives me status in that marketplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my friend's doing very well with what she's invested in. But again, it's an investment like you're talking about, so you just got to right. be prepared to manage that investment like you need to. Well, here's one one last question. On, on, on um, what the hell was it, is credit score. My credit score is extremely high, and what does that do for me if I'm not going to buy a house? My next car, I'm going to pay cash. I mean, what does it, how do I benefit from that? You know, we've given credit seminars about this, and we actually had insurance agents and other folks that, you know, pull credit and rate on credit based off price. I always say you should keep your credit active so your scores remain high, because if you go out and try to switch insurance companies, there's insurance agents listening to this. They're probably nodding their head. Uh, They want you to have a good score so you can get better ratings and you can get insured. So if you have no reason to finance anything in the future, at least maintain some credit card activity so you can keep that credit score moving, you know. Okay. And do like you were saying to do, at least try to keep it up by doing a monthly monthly payment i would i mean everybody's reports different but uh you want to make sure there's not a what i call the ghost payment where 
you make you pay that off, but it never hit the credit report to give you that credit. So yeah, I had I had one payment in the last twenty years at at one of the stores. They sent it to me, and it got set aside. I didn't do it. Intended to do it. It just got set in a pile of things. And all of a sudden, I get Equifax telling me your credit score is taking a hit. Now it was like twenty points or whatever. Yeah, if, but, you're, if you're a strong credit score already, it's not going to matter that much. So no, but but it did get hit by just that one payment being yep. late. Yep. All right, yep. thanks guys. Okay. Thank you, sir. I, Thank I've you. got one more thought for you, caller, and that is. If you do have a credit card that is not a, a store credit card, a, you know, a national bank-oriented credit card, what you may want to consider, because you have very limited use or no use of that card, would be to um, pay your uh, house insurance and maybe your car insurance uh, on that credit card for the whole year pay it off next month it gives you activity and it's a substantial amount yeah it's just it's managing it right i yes, mean it's managing your managing like it. anything else so uh but going back to the down payments so fha is great it allows the gift uh it also allows for a little bit lesser than credit uh perfect credit too so that's why we a lot of times we use the fha loan but a lot of folks think that's just for first-time home buyers it's not it's not for first-time home buyers you can use that multiple times as well multiple times. you know yes so the other thing i want to i want to hit on is uh, is making sure you're prepared so when you go talk to the bank or you apply online with the bank they're going to ask you for some specific documents now everybody their lifestyles are different their jobs their occupations are different so I'm going to kind of give a broad overview of what financial documents you need to be prepared for, right? And if you have this ready when you go in to see the banker the first time, then they can make a really good and reliable decision for you too. So if you got a pen and paper, if you're listening today, basically what we do, we call it the rule of twos, okay? We ask for the last two years of tax returns. Make sure you have W-2s corresponding with that, 1099s if you're commissioned and stuff like that. Um, if you do have some self-employment, make sure you include your Schedule C's or other uh, schedules in your tax returns with that. If you're employed and you get a pay stub, we ask for the last 30 days. So typically we're all paid every two weeks, so it's two pay stubs, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, and then we ask for the last two months of bank statements. So it's the rule of twos, easy to remember. Two years tax returns with the corresponding schedules, two pay stubs, and two bank statements. That's gonna allow the banker to pull your credit right make that credit decision where you stand they're going to see your assets so you know what you have available for down payment and then the the final thing is they're going to be able to put a budget together for you when we're talking about budgeting that's the third pillar of our of our stool to make this mortgage work we're looking to see what debt you currently have we're adding in your future debt of that house payment to make sure your household can afford that and I'm not going to go into what percentages those are supposed to be today because it varies per program. But basically, we're making sure that you can afford that future payment and stuff. Gotcha. So, uh, Doc, did you uh, did you look at any other areas when you were shopping for a house? No, I like the town I'm in. I'm up in Williamsville, so I just I grew up in this area, so I like the town, and and uh, my kids are in that school district, so I just. I like that area really well, so I was pretty much stuck. That's where I wanted to be. Yeah, the one thing is when you're talking to a banker, and Fritz and I have gone back and forth on this too, Fritz, being a longtime realtor in the area, knows 
when he's showing a house to somebody, he wants to find out what financing they're doing first. So for example, you probably don't know this, Doc, but if you're looking for that rural development loan, and if that if that property's carrying five or 10 acres on it, mm-hmm. and it's got a large barn, do you know rural development will look at that property saying there's income potential to be earned on that property, and that will not be eligible? Really? So you would think a rural development loan wants to go out and have you buy land with barns and all that kind of stuff, but you got to make sure your realtor and your banker are experienced with the loan program. So when you're looking at that specific house, you don't go write a contract, make a promise to the seller, and then all of a sudden now the financing can't happen just because of the property type. Wow, so interesting. Fritz is very keen on that. Fritz called me uh, last fall about a, about a veteran loan, and it was specific about property, and we talked about it before the customer even went and looked at it and everything. So be specific with your lender and your banker, uh, your lender and your realtor as, on those aspects. Very, very good. Yeah, because that's something you would think about. And you get late in the process, it can cost you a lot of money. Yeah, and a waste of everybody's time and yes. stuff like that. So uh, I appreciate Fritz letting me on the show today. Um, I would like to come back again if I if I didn't do bad, uh, Professor. Did I do okay today? <laughs> We're good. Hey, we did wonderfully. You can tell I get excited about what I do. So. Oh, yeah. So, but that's, uh, you see, the key there is passion. If a person has passion, attitude, and skill, those are the three things that will move a career forward and you will have success. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Again, putting the why behind the what, right? Yes, so, exactly. Uh, the other thing I just want to, last part I want to hit on credit that I forgot I didn't mention. If there's past cl- uh, credit problems like bankruptcy, foreclosure, there are programs out there to allow for that. There's what we call seasoning of those. They have to be gone for so long. But don't be afraid to come back into the bank and apply. 2008, 2000, you know, that, that around yep. the financial crisis, it hurt a lot of us, okay? Uh, nobody's, uh, you know, free of credit problems. So uh, don't be afraid to come in and talk to us. You know, we'd really like it. We have three people in our office. We have Tara Reese. She's been in the business for about five years now. We have Deb Foster. Uh, she's been a little bit longer than me. She's about 20-plus years. And we just hired a new gal, which I think I'm gonna, I want to announce today because she starts Wednesday, is Holly Forden. She's been in the business for, I think, about seven or eight years now, very experienced. So any of us have some experience behind us. Uh, we'd be more than happy to sit down and talk to you and show you the why behind the what. And we want your telephone number again, Andrew. It, it is 217-953-4186. We're locally here in Springfield on West Isles. Awesome. Thank you okay. guys both very much. Uh, I know Fritz appreciates it. He'll be back uh, behind the mic here next week. But, uh, I, I mean, all the information you put out there I think is going to help a lot of people. I hope you guys enjoy the uh, the rest of your weekend. We'll do. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. We'll be back next week with Let's Talk Real Estate.